lot preaching stirring right now. Exodus chapter 33. I'll ask you to stand to your feet. as We reverence the reading of God's word. Verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. From this passage today, I want to preach, God being our helper, on a glimpse of glory. I've been preaching about vision and Lord, open our eyes and help us to see as you see and give us understanding, give us enlightenment, but Lord, give us a vision. Give us a vision of who he is. Give us a vision of who we are. Give us a vision of souls in hell. God, give us a vision of the presence of Almighty God. I'm not concerned about getting a vision of the blessings of God. Thank God for his blessings. But we need a vision of the blessor. That's what we need today. Father, would you touch us this morning? Help us to see. Give us vision, I pray. Open our eyes, Lord. Show me thy glory. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Now, if you read closely at verse 18, Moses specifically said, show me thy glory. There's no doubt in Moses' life that he's seen the power of God working in his life. Remember, uh, there was a time that he was on the backside of the desert in exile, and he saw upon the side of the mountain there, he saw a bush burning but not consumed. Moses said, I'll now go aside and see this thing. And when he got there, he got his shoes off because the ground he was on was holy ground. And out of that bush, the Lord said, I am that I am. And I'm calling you to go down to Egypt. That's the power of God. When he got down to Egypt, he stood before Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, the I am that I am said, let my people go. And he said, who is this God that you serve? Moses had a rod in his hand. He threw it down. It became a serpent. All the other soothsayers and magicians and fortune tellers, they stood around about They said, no big deal, threw their rods down. They became serpents as well. But Moses' serpent, Moses' rod, swallowed up their serpents and their rods. 
And then when Moses reached down and took it by the tail, it was a rod again. That is the power of God. God used Moses to usher in ten plagues upon the land of Egypt and humble them down until finally Pharaoh said, You win, your God wins. Take the people and go. And Israel left in great power and great victory. Only the Pharaoh changed his mind once again and began to launch his army out to pursue them. Now the children of Israel were stuck at the Red Sea. They could not get across. And behind them came the enemy. Stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea they were. And God said, Moses, take the rod and stick it, stand it and hold it up, up over the Red Sea. And God caused the mighty east wind to come. And the Red Sea parted left and right. And the children of Israel crossed through on dry ground. You may say, no big deal, preacher dear. It's the power of God. And the Egyptians thought we'll go through as well. And God closed the walls of water down and drowned the entire Egyptian water in uh, army in that water. And every day God fed the children of Israel by manna, bread from above, and meat which was quelled. Every day I'm talking about the power of God. Moses went up in Exodus 32 up on the mount of God and he received the law of God, the power of God was at work in his life. I mean, he received the Ten Commandments written with the very finger of Almighty God. Hey, just like Moses, you have seen the power of God at work in your life. You were held in sin's dread sway, under oppression, under bondage, but the Lord came and gave his life for you, was buried and rose again on the first day of the week. When you called upon him, he saved you out of a devil's hell, amen, and gave you salvation. You and I know about the power of God, and we know about salvation. Moses said, I know about the power of God, but God, show me thy glory. Number one this morning, I want us to see the servant's request. The request begins in, in verse number 12. Moses just begins to pour his heart out to God all the way down through these verses 18 that I've read in your hearing. Preacher Dan, why is he crying out? Well, he too is between a bad place and the best place. Preacher Dan, what do you mean? Now think with me. When he was up on the mountain with God and God gave him the finger writing the commandments of God, God said, get thee down. There is a noise of war in the camp. Moses left the presence of God with the tables, and as he looked down, the people were, were dancing and partying, and they were worshiping a golden calf. And Moses said, Aaron, what, what is this that's gone on while I've been gone? He said, well, we needed something to do, and we just took gold and, and threw it in the melting pot, and holy cow, out came this calf, and we all just started worshiping. It just seemed... Like the thing to do. I mean, it wasn't my fault. I was afraid of the people. And let me tell you something. God caused many, many people to die that day because while God was writing down, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, down at the foot of the mountain, they were worshiping a golden calf. And Moses is in a desperate condition. You got your Bible open. Look at chapter 33 and verse 1. The Lord said unto Moses, Depart, go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, 
Under the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, under thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee. I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amazite, the, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. Moses was already weary. Have you ever been weary from the journey physically? What about spiritually? Wiped out, weary, wilted, frazzled out. Moses, now he's weary because of the way. And he's weary from listening and dealing with those stiff-necked, rebellious people. And to hear God say, I'm not going with you. And to see in this a little bit, I can read to you how God withdrew himself to go outside the camp. No longer is he being worshipped inside. He's outside the camp because of their sin. Moses is discouraged. He's desperate. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a desperate condition to hear from God? Look in verse 4. When the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned. You see, there's a change in the fellowship they have with God. He's distancing himself because of their sin. Somebody show me where they repented. Somebody show me where they confessed their sins and they repented. They mourned, but they did not repent. No man did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. They're afraid of him. They're just not repentant. The Bible says in verse 9 or verse 7, Moses moved the tabernacle outside the camp. You can read about it. God's not inside. He's outside now. Verses 8 and 9, Moses went into that tabernacle to worship God and to atone. Listen, to try to beg God to help forgive the people, to make atonement for their sin, to repair broken fellowship, to repair the problem that they were having. Moses goes into that tabernacle. I'm telling you, the Bible says in verse 11 that the Lord spake to Moses face to face. It doesn't mean that he saw him face to face, but it means that, I've got my, keeping my time up here, it's getting close, but right now if, if I called my son and he answered, I could, I could talk with him, communicate with him face to face, though he's not necessarily seeing my face. Do you, do you, do you understand? God speaking to him and dealing with him. In verse 12, he starts stating from a desperate condition, he has a determined cry. He says in verse 13, he said, If I found grace, it means since I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. You know what he's wanting? His determined cry? He's wanting guidance. I'm going to ask you a question. Is there somebody here today, you've asked God for guidance this week in your life? You don't have to, you don't have to raise your hand. If God told me, you tell him. I hear. I'm just telling you. And you tell them, I'm going to show them my way. <laughs> Say, Preacher Darren, you're, 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 what are you doing? I'm telling you, you're asking for guidance. Moses is trying to lead the people of God. Can't help but cry. 
God is wanting Moses to know the way. And Moses is now seeking not his direction, but God's direction. He's asking for guidance. Let me tell you this morning, if you need guidance, God will reveal to you the direction you need to take. The Bible says, ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. You know what we need to do? We need to get in the old paths. Verse 14, God says, Moses, my presence shall go with thee. God's going to bless him. God's giving him assurance. Verse 15, Moses says, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up not hence. God, if you're not going, I'm not going either. Lord, I want to be where you are. I've left the privileges of Egypt. I've left the backside of the desert. I've seen on both sides, I'm not interested in going into blessings or going into a barren place without God being with me. You know how many people this morning, y'all hear me, you know how many people are asking God for guidance and direction and yet they're content to move forward without God going with them? And say, well, he'll just bless me. Mary and Joseph came to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And when the days were clear, they went a whole day's journey after a great spiritual time. And Jesus was not with them. They left him back at Jerusalem. They went forward just assuming and supposing without the Lord even being with them. Many of us just assume to go forward with or without God. Moses said, Lord, if you're not going, I'm not going. I will not go forward. I will not retreat. I'm staying put until you show me what to do. You're asking for guidance. God has heard. God's going to show you do not move till God gives you the approval and the thumbs up to go forward. I begin to think here. I'm going to look at verse, next verse, verse 16. Moses says, Wherein shall it be known that I and the people have found grace in thy sight if you don't go with us? Now watch here. You know what he's asking for? He begins to pray. He's asking for, he's asking for grace. Somebody today, you've been asking for guidance. Somebody's asking for grace. Now, here's the thing. In the past, Moses had received the grace of God. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. It's, it's unmerited favor of God. Not that we deserve it. We're undeserving. But he blesses us just because he wants to. Have you received past grace? Moses said, I've got plenty of grace in the past. And where I'm living right now, Though I'm in the middle of a rebellious and a stiff-necked people, God says, I, uh, Moses says, I have present grace. Say amen if you have present grace. But Moses said, that ain't good enough. I want to ask for something else. I want future grace. I want God you to be gracious, not just today and in the past, but I want you to be gracious from this point on. Lord, would you help me? He's asking for grace. Look at verse 17. God said to Moses, I will do this thing, look at the word, 
also. Also, that means I'm adding this on top of me taking care of you and giving you guidance. I'm going to give you more grace. Well, hallelujah to God for that. Then Moses in verse 18 says, I beseech thee, show, you, show me thy glory. He says, Lord, I've seen the blessings, but I want to see the blessor. I want to see your glory, Lord. I want to see. That is the servant's request. Do you see it? Number two, the sovereign response. Now, there's going to be an immense disclosure here. God speaks and says, Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. Wow. The goodness of God. Hey, the psalmist, you remember Psalm 23? He says, uh, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There but goodness is coming. God says, I'm going to cause my goodness not just to follow you. It's going to come along beside you and it's going to go before you. The goodness and the favor of Almighty God. All that is good in our lives has come from God. In fact, when you read Genesis chapter 1 about creation, and, and you know who your writer was? God calls Moses to write Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. How did Moses know about creator, creative God, creator God? How did he know? Because God caused his goodness to go before him. The Bible says on the first day that God did all those things and it was good. Day two, day three. Hey, it's good. Praise God for it. He's going to cause all his goodness to go before him. Hey, the goodness of God are in his attributes. Love, mercy, holiness, wisdom, faithfulness, justice, forgiveness, omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence. He's an all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful God. From A to Z, he is God. And he's seeking his glory. And as he seeks his glory, God says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll let my goodness go before you. Look with me in verse number 19 again. He says, not only will I pass before you, but I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. What does that mean? My greatness is going to go before you. Proclaiming the name of the Lord will go before you. Boy, that's helpful. Preacher, then I don't understand. Look at chapter 34. Chapter 34. The Bible says in verse number 5, The Lord descended in the cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the Lord God, Jehovah, who demands righteousness, but we don't have any. Who says, I'll give you my righteousness that you might be accepted. The Lord, the Bible says, he's proclaiming his name. The Lord, look with me, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundance, and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will no by, by no means clear the guilty. I can read on and on. 
He is proclaiming the name of the Lord before him. Who do you serve? You serve your doctor? Who do you serve? You serve your bank? Do you serve the power company? Do you serve the government? Do you serve the president? Who do you serve? You serve somebody. Let me tell you who I serve. I used to serve sin. Serve self. It got me nothing. But I've learned to serve the Savior. Jesus Christ and His goodness goes before me. And His greatness is proclaimed before me. He is good and He is great. Amen. He doesn't stop there. Back to verse 19. He says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. What about that? The graciousness of God. Them getting what they don't deserve. Hey, when they were partying down there, they deserved to be wiped out as a people. But God in His grace saw fit to forgive them and restore them. Grace that's greater than all our sins. Marvelous grace. Matchless grace. There's not one of us could be sitting here this morning if it were not for the grace of Almighty God. Verse 19. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. What is mercy? That I don't get what I do deserve. I deserve justice. Well, preacher Darren, I don't think life's fair. You're right, it's not fair. Let me tell you how not fair it is. God's not fair. I knew it. He's not. Thank God he's not because if he had been fair, my soul would be in hell. If he had just been a just God, he'd have thrown me there. But he's more than just a just God. He is a righteous God, a holy God, a gracious God, and a merciful God. And he forgave me on July 13th, 1978 of my sins. He forgives me every single day of my life. He's walking with me. Can I get amen? He's a good and gracious and a very gentle God. He's a gentle God. So here's an immense disclosure. Moses, you're asking to see my glory. Goodness will go before you. My greatness will be proclaimed before you. I'll be gracious unto you. My gentleness is going to be upon you. Verse 20. He said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Your human body just couldn't take it. Right now, this, is a, this, this comparison is a poor illustration. But if you looked into the sunshine, you wouldn't look for long. You'd go blind. Our Savior outshines the sun. Who's the one put the sun up there? Who's the one said shine and it went bling? God put it up there, amen. Creator God. And it's small. The sun is small considering other asteroids and comets and other stars that are out there. The sun, remember I showed y'all some time ago, the sun, it pales in comparison. I've got to read this. Job. Job, 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 Job. Job, chapter 26. I didn't aim to go here, but i got to read it. Job 26. Job 26. I want to look at verse 7. He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. 
All you big bang theorists out there, will you listen to me for a second? If there was nothing, and there wasn't, what banged? Not making any noise this morning. Nothing hits nothing. There's no noise, amen. There's nothing. But God took nothing and hurt, hung the earth upon it. He bindeth up the waters in his thick clouds. The cloud is not written under them. He holdeth back the face of his throne and spreadeth his cloud upon it. He hath compassed the waters with bounds until the day and night come to an end. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. He divideth the sea with his power, and by his understanding he smiteth through the proud. By his spirit he hath garnished the heavens. Time out. Garnished. If you go to a steakhouse and you get you a $50 steak, on the side of that main meal they put garnishments. Little things to help decorate. Maybe making you think the atmosphere will make it taste better. God said the sun and the moon and the asteroids and all that is and all the sky. He said those are all there just as garnishments of my glory. Get ready for the main meal. What a God we serve today. And you think he can't handle your little problems, honey. He's able and he's worthy and he can, amen. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. Lo, these are parts, parts of his ways. Parts, that means this is just a glimpse. What we see is just a glimpse of the majesty and the glory and the power. Of the Almighty. And God says, you can't see me face to face. Nobody can see me, Moses, and live. He says, come here, Moses. I'm going to show you a couple things. Number one, I'm going to show you where you can stand. The Lord said, behold, there's a place by me. Thou shalt stand upon a rock. The right-hand side of the throne of Almighty God is his son, Jesus Christ. Also known as our rock. I'm not standing in my own career. I'm not standing in my own church membership. I'm not standing in my own righteousness. I'm not standing in my tithing record. I am not standing in my baptism. I'm not standing this morning in my family. I'm not standing in my possessions. I am standing in Jesus. He said, you can stand by me on Jesus. Thank God for that. What's he going to sense? What's he going to experience? It shall come to pass. While my glory passeth by, I will put thee in the cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. What's he going to sense? He'll not be afraid. He'll be secure. He'll be sheltered. No storm's going to hit you. No devil's going to attack you. You are hidden by the hand of Almighty God. As my goodness, as my greatness, as my graciousness, as my gentleness. No, as my glory passes you by. You'll see me from my hinder part. Now, y'all look at me. You look at me. Luke, Luke, come here. Luke, come here. 
Now, it's just impossible. Stand here, son. Everybody see you. It's just impossible that I can hide him or hide myself by putting my hand up. It, it just can't happen, right? But now, think about how when I pass by Luke, I'm done, done. But how big is God? He could cover him in the cleft of the rock with just his hand, so to speak. And as he passes by, how big is God? How long did it take him to pass by? I mean, you and I the other night, we were coming down the highway, right? And what do we see? Shooting star, asteroid, comet. I mean, shoo, we was like, did you see that? Did you see that? Oh, man, that was awesome. And I thought, man, I'm getting ready to see a glimpse of the glory of God. Man, right there is a shooting star or something. What, did you see it? Dude, it was awesome. And I got to thinking, how big is God? While he's hiding you in the cleft of the rock. And his glory. I can't even do it justice. As he passes by. And all he could see is his hiding. How big, how long did that take? I believe in that moment, God showed him about the creation. He showed him about the seven days of creation, or six days of creation, the seventh day he rested. I think he showed him all those things. And, and Genesis, Exodus, I think he showed him all that. That's how big he is. He said, I'm going to let you see me as a pass by. Me and Luke were talking last night. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his what? His train. His train. Hey, you girls, how many of you girls has gotten married? Did y'all have a train on your dress? It was in the back, right? What Isaiah seeing is I saw the backside, his train filled the temple. That's his glory train, amen. Not the gravy train, the glory train. He saw him from the backside. Honey, you can, Lord of God, show me your glory. He's going to let him see him from the backside. He's passing by. Thank you. Thank you. I get excited. I get passionate. I said, Preacher Darren, you'll not see his glory. There's no way. We're just humans. Honey, I'm telling you something. If you'll, if you'll let God open your eyes, he'll show you things you're unworthy to see. I have, I have things that I could tell y'all about. You would laugh at me. You, you, would, you, would, you would tell me, put that boy down at the hospital and put him in a white jacket. He's not our preacher no more. I'm just telling you, God has shown me things that I can't even tell you about. There are things that God showed me. He said, you tell your family. I've never told my church. They're right now, Luke, I can tell you things. And Luke, I want to tell you, raise a hair up on the back of your neck. God, and I don't know nothing. <laughs> uh, that's just parts. That's just garnishments. Lord, let us see a glimpse of your glory through the last work of eternity. Preacher Darren, you've lost your mind. I want us to think about this. What's Moses going to see? He says, verse 23, when I take away my hand, thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. You remember what happened to Moses? Moses disobeyed God. God struck him down. God was the funeral director. God was in the burying business. God buried him. The next, one of the next times we see Moses is on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John were there. Guess what they were doing? Sleeping. They were asleep. And when they woke up, they looked, and the Lord was transfigured. You know what that means? 
that his inner glory overcame the outer shell called his flesh. You know, poor illustration, popcorn. That hard kernel, that, that old tough shell. You get in the right atmosphere and boom, what's on the inside comes out. And the glory of God shone out. Moses and Elijah were there and they talked to the Lord Jesus about his decease, which he should accomplish. They saw him in his glory, but no man could see him and live. And yet in glory, they saw his glory. Woo! What about that? Preacher Darren, when I see his glory, how can I see it? It depends on where you're standing. You're going to have to stand in Jesus. Two brothers, young men, were out playing by the river banks on the, on the sand. And the younger brother kind of got away from the older brother a little bit. And he got into quicksand. And he started sinking. He started grabbing for rocks and tree roots and anything. He was going down. And his brother called for him and couldn't hear him. He called for him and started looking. There he was going down. Brother, what happened? Tried to pull him out. Tried to pull him out. And finally he got so close, he got in it with him. And little by little, the older brother worked his way to get his younger brother to start lifting him and lifting him and lifting him. And nightfall came. And the boys were not home. And mom and dad sent out looking for their boys. And they found the little brother trapped in the quicksand. And they said, oh, there you are, there you are. And three or four people got him and lifted him and said, where's your brother? He said, I was standing on him. The older brother gave his life to lift up the younger. May I say today, I'm standing on the one. You see me today. I'll tell you how you see me. You see one today who gave his life. One who gave his life to push me up. One who gave his life to come where I was and in the horrible pit and lift me up out of the horrible pit. Woo! Lord of God, I can stand in Jesus Christ. Amen. Two other brothers, one twelve, one three. They're going to go fishing with their daddy. Daddy's getting the tackle box. The twelve-year-olds got his stuff and ready, waiting on daddy. And the three-year-olds got his little fishing pole, and he heads down across the dock, and he sees the shiny boat, and he puts one leg on it and the other leg on the dock, and the boat starts moving, and the three-year-old falls in. And the 12-year-old started screaming, Daddy, 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 he's fell in, he's fell in. Daddy quickly dove in the water only, you know, seven, eight feet deep, maybe even shallower. He dove in there trying to find him. It's mucky, muddy. He can't find him. Daddy comes back up for breath, goes back down again. He feels up against the, the pier, the, 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 the post of the dock, and there that boy is under the water holding on to that post. And that daddy pried that boy, pried that boy, pried that boy's fingers loose and jumped up to the top of the water, throwed him on the deck. Son, are you okay? Oh, yes, daddy. Oh, yes. Son, why were you, why were you holding on on the bottom? Why would you hold on? He said, daddy, I was just waiting for you. Amen. Somebody today. You feel like you're run over. You feel like you're overwhelmed. You're just holding on to any kind of trash you can hold on to. You don't know how it's going to turn out. He's found you, hasn't he? What are you waiting on? Why are you holding on to that junk? Why you got to hold that trash drifting down life's river and you're grabbing on any piece of trash you can? I'm just waiting on you, Lord. Well, here he is. Here he is. And he says, let that go and hold on to me. 
We're going to the top. Hold on to me. We're going, glory to God. We're going to see the glory and the goodness and the grace. Honey, glory to God. Let's go with him. Amen. You stand to your feet. Maybe they somebody said, Preacher Darren, I need to go to that altar. Lord Jesus, I need to get that altar. Lord, I want to pray right now. God, will you open my eyes? God, will you let me see your glory? God, I'm not trying to see you face to face. One day I will. But God, I want to see you hundred parts through the latest work of eternity. God, would you allow me to see? But church, I'm begging you. I am absolutely, teetotally begging you. Would you get in this with me? Would you come in, oh God, today? I'm asking you, God, would you show me your glory, the work in my life, what you're doing? Would your goodness go before me? Would your greatness go before me? Folks, you need to come. Tell them you need to come right now. Come on. Mind him. Help us, Lord. Lord said, wait. I got down to pray. God said, you wait. Who is it today? You need to take the time. Let me tell you, if you're in this situation, Moses took the time to bow. Moses took the time to pray. Moses took the time to worship. He worshiped God. Fall this morning. In your presence, I bow. And I say, Lord... Show me thy glory. Lord, if you're not going, I don't want to go. I only want to move as you move. Lord, today I'm asking you, God, that your goodness would go before us. Your greatness, your graciousness, and your gentleness. And Father, help us to stand in Jesus. Help us to be sheltered from the storm, sheltered from the power of the enemy in a place where we can only see you and your handiwork. Lord, we're asking this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.